I'm talking to Senator Mimi Stewart, and I was just thinking the last time we talked to you on Women's Focus was when you had moved from being in the House, having served in the House for a long time, over to the Senate, and you were moving into leadership as well. But now the Senate is about to change because you have a number of new members. So what are you looking for? What are you thinking will happen? Well, Susan, this this was an incredible election for the state Senate. We have seven new Democrats, uh, four of them women. Um, I am very grateful to have more women in our Democratic caucus. I'm very grateful for the seven that we were able to get elected because it is going to change the Senate caucus. They're very strong voices on the matters that they ran and won on include a whole range of things that we could use to help New Mexico grow and prosper. So I'm I'm just very excited about the new Senate and especially my women colleagues, and I look forward to working with them. It will be a very different session in January, though, so... I'm warning them all that it will be more fun once we're past the pandemic, but until then, it's a real struggle. It'll really be hard for newcomers because it's hard to make contacts and sort of get to know people, I would imagine. Yes, yes. We're, you know, we're online right now for committees and caucuses, and that. That's just difficult. There's just something one step removed from online versus in person. You know, I had no idea that eye contact, uh, uh, body language, the ability to joke around and make people at ease, that all goes away online. It's just a face and a voice. Uh, So it's hard. I'm just going to have to tell them all that it will get fun after a year or so. still a lot of hard work, and it's difficult decisions that they're going to have to take. But it is going to be hard on them for the first year. You were saying just now that the issues that they had run on, that you expect them to be working on it. So what you're talking about is the new members. The new members. The issues that they, okay. Yes, yes. Well, you know, frankly, Susan, of the 26 Senate Democrats, 25 of us had opposition. So, you know, all of us had to run a race and talk about issues. So it's not like they're coming with brand new issues. (laughs) They're coming with a reiteration of issues that have been facing New Mexico for a while, a more focus on early childhood. Uh, more uh, funding for the schools and help with the schools now um, because of the move online and COVID and safe practices. Ensuring that we have affordable housing, uh, ensuring that we have better health care, hoping that our new president and vice president will expand the Affordable Care Act, add a public option, um, and so that we can try to get these costs of health care down so that they're reasonable. So there's multiple issues that they all ran on and won, but they're issues that I essentially agree with, with where we need to go in the future. 
what of those issues are you going to be focusing on especially? Well, my, my focus is usually education. You know, I'm a retired 30-year public school teacher. I serve on the interim LESC. I chaired it for a couple of years. I'm vice chair now. It's, the chair is uh, Representative Christine Trujillo from the House. We have just heard a lot of different issues about how to move forward and ensure we're doing right by students. So I will focus on those kinds of changes, trying to hold the districts harmless from losing a membership in the pandemic, making it easier for them to do uh, certain things, putting off some of the mandates that we put on them, replacing the CARES Act money that the special session took credit for. So my focus will be on education and renewable energy. I continue to want us to move uh, away from oil and gas and into renewable energy. I just think that's what our public wants. That's what all these new legislators want. It's, it's what a lot of us want. So healthcare, renewable energy, education, and good government kind of issues has been my focus for a long time. That's really not going to change. I do want to help our new members, which is it's it's really important to me that they are successful. Um, and four of them, five of them actually, one in what we call a swing district, a district that might go Republican one year, Democrat the next. So those senators, we need to help in particular to address any issues that come up in their district. So it's just going to be a lot of work, but I'm looking forward to it with this new Senate. So by helping the new senators, do you mean helping them get legislation passed or helping them be able to respond to their constituents? All of that, every bit of it, get legislation passed understand the legislative process, serve on the committees that they want, serve on the interim committees that they want, um, help them just understand how to be an effective legislator. It's, it's in session and outside of session. They're on a steep learning curve, and I, I want to help that them be successful. Besides having more women in the Senate and in the Democratic caucus and just the camaraderie of that, do you think that having women will make a difference? Yes. I think women, they, you know, they they take on a lot of the work. You know, they tend to do bills until they get them passed. Uh, Women, I think in general, are more prone towards consensus building and compromise. That's what, that's really what makes politics work, is being able to listen understand people that don't feel the same way you do. But if you're all focused on the health and the economic uh, fidelity of our state and our citizens, then find a way to compromise on issues that uh, we don't agree on. Uh, You know, probably about 80% of the time we all agree with what we're doing up here. It's really only, it's the bigger, stickier issues that, that bollocks us up. So it's a lot that they, they're going to have to do in the beginning, and they, they need to learn quickly to, uh, to, to jump into the Senate caucus 
and uh, swim against the stream sometimes. The women that we, well, actually, you know, every one of the new seven members are phenomenal. Uh, part of this new class is our, our first black senator from the west side of Albuquerque, Harold Pope. He's got just an incredible background. A captain in the Air Force, I'm not sure it's captain, he's a He's uh, some officer in the Air Force. He had a long history uh, with them. He was he, he was uh, born and raised in Pueblo, Colorado, but he asked us not to hold that against him, that he likes our chili better. <laughs> uh, his family is from New Mexico, and he's lived here a long time. So we have a doctor also, uh, Martin Hickey. That will just be great, especially with what we're dealing with now and uh, uh, Leo Jaramillo in the northern part of the state. He um, has incredible background at, in Los Alamos, uh, working as a financial expert in Los Alamos. So these folks have, have a background that just uh, will prepare them to help the state. The Senate has fewer members, and so I would imagine that it's easier to get things done or to talk to them, um, it's certainly easier to get to know them with not having as many people. But I'm not sure. What What is the difference that you've found? Well, you know, I spent 20 years in the House, six years in the Senate. It's definitely easier to be part of a team, a family, a club, a Senate, in the Senate than in the House. There's 70 members in the House. There's 42 in the Senate. The caucuses are different by about a factor of uh, uh, 15, uh, 20 at some point. Um, before the election, we had 26 Democrats in the Senate. House had 48. So it is harder to get to know your colleagues um, in the House. So I've, I've really enjoyed moving over to the Senate. I you know, I had worked with many of the senators for up to 20 years. So it wasn't like I was brand new like these uh, seven people are going to be. But I've, I find the Senate more intellectual and more more prone to dialogue and problem solving uh, than, than I experienced in the House. How do you mean more pr- prone to problem solving? Well, for um, example, our caucuses in the Senate, you know, we have an agenda. We we meet when there are issues. Uh, we bring up all sides. Everyone can speak. We try to tackle uh, big issues. Sometimes it takes more than one caucus, but we uh, we try to come to resolutions about things. My experience in the House is that it's just much harder to do that. Now, you can do it. But it's harder. It takes more time. There's so many more uh, members. It's just kind of harder to, in my experience, it was harder to come to resolutions with that many people and that many different views. Oh, because there were so many different people that you had to deal with. So many different points of view. You know, we're all, you know, it takes a lot to stick your neck out and say, I can do that. I can solve problems. I'll run for office. I can help the state. I mean, that's a huge, big thing to stick your neck out, run for public office. It generally tends to mean that we all think we're problem solvers and we can solve things. And, you know, our constituents brought us up here to do that. But um, 
when we're all so individualistic and and we are <laughs> just the nature of it it that you know that's why you have to compromise that's why you have to listen that's why you have to come up with the consensus uh, because we bring all these different aspects to the job a uh, rural versus urban although i think that that rural urban split has uh, calmed down over the last four to five years. The issue over uh, energy, um, what should we do about our oil and gas market, which is uh, suffering so badly now and is uh, producing the largest amount of methane uh, cloud in the whole country. New Mexico has the highest amount of methane being flared and vented from our oil and gas. So, you know, how how do you solve that? And how do you solve it when part of us are from the oil and gas and then there are part of us that are so concerned about the environment and climate change and how we're going to be living in the future in the Southwest when it's hotter and drier? And that's just facts. So how do you come around that kind of facts? when we come from different points of view. It's just hard to get to compromise and consensus. So I just find it easier in the Senate. That's just been my experience. Part of the the change will be a change in leadership because several of the leaders did not get reelected. And so there's talk that you're interested in, in moving higher up in the leadership. So let's talk about that. Oh, well, there's five of us that are uh, running against each other to be pro tem. You know, I've I've been wet for the last three years. I I threw my hat in the ring um, because I just think I have the experience and the knowledge to help unify the caucus and move us forward with new people. I think that our our new colleagues really have to be taken into consideration when we think about messages from the Senate and when we devise a plan for um, how we move forward with both energy, with health care, and education. Those have been my focuses. So I think, I think it's important to have women in leadership. You know, when I got elected whip of the three leadership posts, two were women. Well, the the reporters were just all shocked and aghast. What? You've got two women in your three leadership spots? Why did you do that? So (laughs) rather than having it be unusual or shocking that women are in the leadership positions, you know, in our hundred years of our our history for New Mexico, we've only had two women pro tems. And one was 40 or 50 years ago, and then Mary Kay Papin has been. We've also only had two women in the whip position. Uh, Mary Jane Garcia was the first, and I'm the second. So, you know, we have a history, not just in the state, but in the country, of promoting men to these positions of leadership. And um, I, I believe that we should also promote women, especially now, I think, the House. The House is now a majority women. They have 37 of the 70 uh, that are are now women represent state reps. Um, they also have in their leadership they have they have uh, if you count the four leadership positions along with the caucus chair they have three women out of four. Uh, so I I think it's important that 
women are offered leadership positions, as which is one of the reasons I threw my hat into the ring. It seems to me you might have more power as a whip than as pro tem. No, no, not at all. Oh, you know okay. the whip's whip's role is now I've I've certainly taken on more of a real a leadership role of uh, being whip. But generally, the WHIP's job is to um, help the members on the floor, make sure the floor is running smoothly, run the floor if the majority leader is not there, to ensure that the caucus um, has the votes for passing the important legislation. So that's (laughs) – and that's about it. The pro tem does – some administrative stuff throughout the year as the head of the Senate. The the pro tem sets up a committee on committees to help decide committee makeup, chairs and vice chairs, both at the interim and the session. So that's a that's a little bit of power right there. But that's that's fleeting. That just does that. But the pro tem is often called on throughout the year to both do administrative work but also to help make decisions. The pro tem is involved in looking at any ethics complaints that might come uh, through the Senate. Um, So the pro tem sits on certain committees as a designated person on those committees. For example, the Public School Capital Oversight Task Force has identified the pro tem as a as a part of that committee. So I don't know that it's sort of more power or less. The way I would want to do pro tem is to work as a team uh, with the other two leaders. I, I think teams of leaders are better than individuals, and that's the way I would do it. So is running for pro tem something that is cutthroat or is there arm twisting going on or is it something that we'll just talk, you'll talk about in the caucus? Um, <laughs> well, I've, now that I'm running for it, I've certainly heard horror stories about the past, uh, how oh. some people were elected with not the majority vote and how when some people were uh, new to the Senate, they were told how to vote. That's certainly nothing that I want to be part of. I've talked to all but, I think, two of my colleagues to tell them why I want to do it and um, what kind of qualities I bring and some new changes I would bring. I want to have the committee structure be a little bit more flexible and have more people be involved. So, you know, I – and sometimes in these elections you – you you promise things to get votes, and and I'm just not doing that. Uh, you know, it may mean I don't win, but I just can't do that because if I want to work uh, with other leaders to determine the makeup of committees, et cetera, then I, I'm not going to be promising anything when I talk to my colleagues. So it's, you know, we're we're all dancing around with each other, and you know, I, I may have lost a friend by jumping into the pro tem seat, um, and, and I really don't know who is going to pull it off, but we'll all come together after the elections. I, 
I had a funny conversation with Senator Martin Heinrich about how this was working, and he said, it kind of sounds like high school. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, yeah, it kind of feels like high school. (laughs) So we'll we'll come together after them. I'm glad it's only another week before uh, we we take the vote because I I need to get back to thinking about policy. (laughs) Well... We'll look forward for the answer then. (laughs) Well, thank you for letting us in on what's happening and and what your idea is about what you want to do. Is there anything you want to add? Um, Well, this odd thing happens when these leadership seats open, and that is the advocacy community wants to get involved. So... You know, we've got all these people running around saying, oh, no, you should vote for so-and-so or you should vote for so-and-so. But nobody has a vote except for the 27 of us. So I'm sure everyone is will be waiting to hear the results, and you'll get them in a week. What community wants to get involved? Oh, the advocacy community. Oh, the advocacy. Oh, how right. how many people helped to get us elected. I mean, we've just got the environmental community and those great organizations, the education community, and their incredible unions, and and that's just the beginning of it. Um, We have all kinds of organizations that, you know, work really hard for working families, uh, work very hard for the immigrant community, and, you know, they've all been involved in our elections. So, you know, they, they keep trying to tell people how to vote. It's just not going to work, unfortunately. (laughs) Okay. Well, good luck. Well, thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. I appreciate being on your show. It's such a great service you do for us. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for talking to us.